You're listening to the Light for Living podcast, featuring the sermons of Emmanuel Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, where Dr. Clark Whitney serves as senior pastor. Join us for verse-by-verse messages through the life-changing Word of God. Along the way, we'll also feature devotional thoughts, Bible studies, and interviews, all designed to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, I invite you to take it out. And turn to the book of John, John chapter 3, John chapter 3. We begin a new series today called The Gifts of Christmas, The Gifts of Christmas. I would just be curious to know by show of hands how many of you have completed your Christmas shopping. Anybody? All right. Who is about, you guys are heroes, who is about... 80% done. Who has not started at all? All right, all right. It takes all kinds. It takes all kinds. I I, I love receiving Christmas gifts. As I get a little bit older and I have kids, I enjoy just as much giving gifts. Over the next few weeks, we're going to see the gifts that God's given us at Christmas. The first one, obviously, the gift of himself, his son Jesus. But there are so many more gifts that he lavishes on us. We're also going to see the gifts that we can give back to him and how we can live a life that makes a difference. But I love gifts. I love shopping for gifts. And it seems like the shopping's never done. I stop, shop at some specialty boutiques, Walmart, <laughs> Amazon, and a new one this year, Timu. And, and, and my wife wrapped these. And, and don't you just love when you get those gifts under a tree and you see how beautiful they are. And if you don't know what they are, you might shake it or you might tear the packing a little bit. You just anticipate what's in the gift. And sometimes it feels like the anticipation is just as exciting as opening the gift. I, I love Christmas gifts. Some say that Christmas gifts go all the way back to the wise men. You'll remember them. Uh, We sing the song, We Three Kings of Orion Are, but the Bible doesn't say exactly how many. But it does say that they gave three gifts. I'm not going to break it because there's nothing in it. (laughs) Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Some say that our tradition of giving gifts goes all the way back to the wise men. But you know, if you think about it, The giving of gifts goes back even further than that. You see, giving is in the very heart of God. Our God is a giving God. We talk a lot about God's attributes, who He is. We talk about how He is sovereign. He's in control of all things. How He's omnipresent. How God is everywhere. How He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. Uh, He's loving. He gives of Himself to us. But we don't see sometimes, we don't remember near enough that our God is a giving God. If you know Jesus, you know a God who is a giving God. Let this blow your mind. There are four Gospels, and in those four Gospels are 3,779 verses. If you were to add up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, add up those verses, there would be 3,779 of them. In those verses... The Father and the Son, God the Father and Jesus Christ, give something over 230 
times. That's pretty astounding when you think about all that's in the Gospels. Over and over and over, we see that God is a giving God. And we're going to begin today in John 3, verse 16, but we're not going to stay there because I want you to see God's Christmas gifts. God's Christmas gifts that he's given you and he's given me. And the Bible says in that verse that most of us, many, have learned when we were just little children, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I would like you to say that with me today. Let's repeat it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I want you to see this verse from James. It'll be on your screen. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. From coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Let's say that one together. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Let's pray one more time. God, you're so good to us. We thank you that you are a giving God. And Christmas reminds us of that. Thank you that you loved us so much. You gave your only begotten son. You gave your very best. But God, you didn't stop there. You lavish grace upon grace, gift upon gift. For that we thank you. We thank you that each and every good gift and every perfect gift ultimately comes from you. You're the giver of our physical life, our spiritual life. You're the giver of these moments that we have to focus our minds on you. So God, would you work on our hearts? Would you allow our minds to focus now? May the thoughts of my mind and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I loved as a kid getting gifts when I went to my grandparents' house. Because grandparents give a whole different level of gifts than parents and other people give. If you're a grandparent, you know. And, and if you've had a grandparent, you know that a good grandmama will stop at no length to get each and everything on that Christmas list. Even if she doesn't understand why your child wants a, a, a card to put on a game online, uh, she's going to take care of grandkid. And, and what we would do is every Christmas night, we would end up at my grandparents' house, and my aunt and uncle's cousins would be there, and we'd all pass out the gifts. I don't know how you do it at your house. I guess there's no wrong way to do it, but this is how we would do it. I usually was the designated gift passer-outer, and I always liked the people that clearly labeled their gifts, and sometimes the gifts would not be labeled, and it would get confusing. Sometimes they would reuse sacks that were used the prior year, and the gift I would hand to was to the wrong person. But nevertheless, I digress. We would stack up each person's gift in their own little pile. And we would go around one by one opening up gifts. Well, the only problem with that was is that, that my grandparents had three daughters. And out of their grandchildren, they had three boys and one granddaughter. 
And they gave us good gifts, but as the, the verse says, they gave uh, my cousin, my girl cousin, perfect gifts. <laughs> they gave her a lot of gifts. They were used to buying for girls, and they gave me good stuff. I'm not complaining, but we would go around, and it would seem like I would be, or my brother, uh, in our self-centered ways, we would be one of the first people to say these two words, I'm out. I'm out. And she would just keep on opening. We got used to it after the first five or six years. But, but with God, I want you to know, nobody's ever out. The gifts that he gives, he doesn't just stop giving the gifts. He lavishes it on us. He knows how to give us good gifts. The first gift I want you to see today, and this is not an exhaustive list, but I want you to see today that God has given us our souls our souls. If you have breath in your lungs this morning, you have been given a gift by Almighty God. Our breath and our life is a gift from God. Genesis 2 verse 7, God is giving something to the first man, Adam. And the Bible says that the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. A living soul. God alone created you. You are not an accident. There are no accidental children, but there are accidental parents. Amen? You're not a mistake. You're not a product of evolution and, and random chance. And you wonder why people are so hopeless and have no purpose in life. Because we teach them that they came from goo. <laughs> from They came from a chance, an accident, and they hear those things, and, and they believe those things, and they act as if that were true. But the Bible teaches that God created us on purpose and for a purpose, and that he created Adam not just out of the dust of the ground, giving him a physical body, but he breathed into Adam, giving him a soul and a spirit. And God alone gave him life, and God alone gave him eternal life, the capacity to know God forever. Acts 17.35 tells us that human hands can't serve God's needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. He created us with a physical, mortal body, but he also created us with a spiritual soul and spirit that is eternal. You see, there is a part of you that will live after your earthly body gives out. When it goes back to dust, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, your soul will live on forever. And your soul will either be with God because of what Jesus has done for you, or your eternal soul will be separated from God because of your sin against Him. That's what Ecclesiastes 12.7 teaches. The dust will return to the earth as it was. And the Spirit will return to God who gave it. God who gave it. God gave you before you even breathed your first breath, when you were still in your mother's womb, you had a body and a soul and a spirit. And it is a gift from God. It's such a gift that Jesus said in Mark 8, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul. If you could gain all the world, 
all the things that the world say matters in life. If you could have a, a, the bass boat and the lake house and the Tahoe and the trophy wife and the three and a half children, if you could have all of those things but yet lose your soul for eternity, nothing else would matter. Your soul is very precious to God. How do I know that? Because to purchase your soul from sin, God gave His Son. That's the second gift I want you to see today. That not only has He given you your soul, He has given us His own Son. In Luke chapter 1, the Christmas story, the angel was telling the Virgin Mary, this teenage girl who was scared and frightened, and this is what the angel said. The Bible says, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This baby in the virgin's womb, the one in the manger of Bethlehem, was the eternal God, fully God and fully man, the Son of God. The Bible teaches in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word talking about Jesus. Before time began, Jesus was there. And then the Bible says the Word was with God and the Word was God. You see right there, the Bible's teaching that Jesus Christ is eternal. In Hebrews it says He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't become God when He was born. He didn't start existing when He was born of a physical body. He was in the beginning with God, and the Bible says that He was God. And when He was born in Bethlehem, God was giving His own Son to us. Romans 8.32 says that He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? You think about what God gave you, he didn't even spare his own son. Now, I love you, but I'm not giving you my child for Christmas. Those are the most precious things this side of heaven to me, my wife and children. But God gave his own son. When you could do nothing good in return, when you had no reason for God to love you, when you and I were separated from God because of our sin, before you even began... God loved you and gave His Son for you, for you, for everybody. The Bible says that God so loved the world that whosoever believes in Him, nobody is left out from this gift of God's Son. And He's graciously given His Son for us all. The world tells us to get all we can, but God teaches us to give all we can. The world says that life is found in what you have. God says life is found in what He already gave. What did He give? He gave His very best. David Livingston was a Scottish medical missionary to Africa. And if you remember Looney Tunes, you'll remember the line, Dr. Livingstone, I presume. That's a, all the way back to him, and I don't have time to tell you. But David Livingston was a very famous explorer and missionary and doctor in Africa. And this is what he said. God had an only son, and he made him a missionary. 
God had one son, one eternal begotten son. And that son who he loved from before time began in an eternal co-equal relationship, knowing each other before the heavens were created. And God gave his son to be a missionary, to show us that he loves us, to show us that he wants to redeem us for his glory. God gave his very best. Well, what did the son give? God gave the son. The son gave us salvation. God's given you your soul. To buy your soul back, he's given you his son. His son, the God-man, Jesus Christ, has given you a gift of salvation. How do I know that? How do I know that? Salvation is not something you can earn or work your way up the mountain. The, the salvation is God coming down the mountain in grace to you. Ephesians 2 tells us, By grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. It's the gift of God. Let the little children and babies talk all they want. I'm glad they're in here. It's a gift. It's not something that you could earn. What does the Bible say? It's not something that you could work to do. It's not something even that you and I could brag about in our own strength. It's a gift from God. Salvation from what? From our sin. From an eternity separated from God. How were we given the gift? Well, we were given it in grace. This salvation that we have been saved by through faith, the word means in the original Greek an undeserved gift, a lavish gift, unmerited favor given to a loved one, something that, that you and I didn't deserve. The Bible says we were enemies of God, but he loved us and he gave us something that we didn't deserve to get. He gave us something that we didn't work hard enough to get. He gave us something just because he loved us. And he lavished that gift. What does that word mean? It means extravagantly given, showered, richly poured out, went extra, above and beyond. And this is without any intention of being repaid. Sometimes we give gifts and uh, we want to impress somebody. Or we hope they'll give us a good gift in return. That's not how God gave. He gave uh, unconditionally. He gave extravagantly. He gave abundantly. And God gave his gifts while we were still sinners. That's why they call it grace. He gave us what we don't deserve. Well, how do we open up the gift? The Bible says we've been given it by grace, but through faith. Through faith. Faith is how we open up the gift. Believing that God, who has given us the gift, can make that gift personal in our lives. You see, it's one thing for God to give the world a gift, but not everyone has accepted the gift. Not everyone has repented and put their faith in Jesus. Not everyone has trusted him. Not everyone is trusting in his grace alone. Some of us are trusting in our own good works, the things we think we can do to be a good person, or our possessions, the things we think we can accumulate, or some of us, even the things we think we can give to others to try to buy our way to heaven. But the Bible says that we can only receive the grace by faith, not by works, but by trusting in the gift, receiving by believing that he is the Son of God. Well, after he's given us salvation, he just gives us uh, even more gifts. He could stop right there and we would praise him for eternity. Amen? But the Bible says he's given us the gift of his Holy Spirit, the gift of his Holy Spirit. 
In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I'll pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. He'll give it to you. I'm going to pray to the Father. Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified and delivered, and I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. But I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to give you another helper. You know what that word another means? Another of the same kind. He didn't just give us the backup or the second string. The Holy Spirit of God is just as much a person of God as the Son and the Father. One God, three persons, eternally co-equal. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you that helper so that he will abide with you. That means to live with you forever. You can have the Holy Spirit of God. He's given you the gift. He's given you the helper. It's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him if you've accepted Jesus. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Peter was preaching in Acts 2 and this is what he said. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now that verse isn't teaching that you have to be baptized to be saved. But it is teaching that because you've been saved, you need to be baptized. There are many other examples of of baptism and salvation not being the same thing. Paul said, I came not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And baptism is showing the world on the outside what Jesus has done on the inside. I wear a wedding ring to show the world that I'm married. But if I take it off, I'm just as married as if I had it on. But it'd be a good idea for me to put it on if I want to live a happy and long life. Wouldn't you agree? Some of us need to take that next step. We have been saved. At the moment of salvation, we're given the Spirit. And maybe God's Holy Spirit has been working on you and has been telling you you need to obey. Somebody I was talking to one time, a young man, and he was struggling with his salvation and he felt like he was saved, but he said, I just haven't heard from God the go-ahead to be baptized. I tried to gently tell him, but I should have been more blunt. You don't need to hear from God when you, he has already spoken. And he said that we need to be baptized to obey what Jesus has said to do. You don't need a sign from God. You don't need to wait around. If you've been saved, you need to obey. And in Matthew 28, Jesus tells us it's a gift and that the Trinity is in, uh, pictured in baptism. And he said, go and make disciples, share the gospel. And after they've been saved, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit that God's given us is just as much God as the Father and the Son. In Matthew 3, Jesus himself was baptized. We obey because he obeyed. And when he was baptized, the Bible says he immediately went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. In Jesus' baptism, the Son was baptized. The Spirit descended from heaven. And the Father spoke from heaven saying that this is my Son, whom I've anointed, whom I'm well pleased. When we get baptized, we identify with Jesus. When we go down in the water, it shows us that we have have accepted his death in our place. And when we come back up, we say, raised to walk in newness of life. Because when you're saved, you don't live the old life anymore. You have a brand new life. You're born again. 
And that is showing the world and showing you a symbol of what Jesus has done. He has taken you into his death and forgiven you by his blood. And he's raised you up with eternal life. Supernatural life. The life of the Holy Spirit. And if you've never been baptized, I had no greater joy than walking up this morning down the aisle. Two children saying, I'm going to be baptized on December 17th. We will baptize on December 17th. So far, five people. Three adults and two children. If you've been saved, isn't that awesome? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And it's going to be a very special day. We're going to observe the Lord's Supper on that day. We've got another special surprise or two. But the most important thing we can do is celebrate baptism and present the gospel. And that's what we're going to do. But if you've never been saved, uh, you need to get saved before you get baptized. And if you've been saved and you haven't been baptized, I want you to reach out and we'd love to visit with you. Perhaps you want to come down at the invitation in a moment. Maybe you want to text the word that's going to be on your screen later on. Maybe you just want to come by the office. We'll visit with you at your home in the office, PJ's Coffee Shop. I'll even drive you through Ziggy's if you need to. What a sacrifice. But we will, we will visit with you before that service. We want to help you understand what baptism is. And we want to help you take that next step coming up in two weeks. So he's given us his spirit. Not only has he given us our souls and his son and salvation, the Holy Spirit of God to bring to remembrance all that he's commanded us to do. He gives us his supply, his supply. Well, you say, what do you mean by that? Philippians chapter four, the apostle Paul was writing from prison. You'll remember that from last week. And Paul said to the Philippian church, and it's true to you and I today, that this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God who takes care of us will supply our needs. What does that mean? God gives us all we need to accomplish all that he asks us to do. He gives us every good gift and every perfect gift that you and I need to live for him. Sometimes, I'll be quick to say, what he gives us is a heart to be content with what we have. Sometimes you and I don't get all of our wish list. There's still things on our Christmas list that Santa Claus didn't bring. And this is not teaching name it and claim it that if you just have enough faith, you'll have more than enough money. In fact, you'll have a healthy and wealthy life. Sometimes God gives us that, but the Bible teaches that all those who desire to live a godly life, everybody in Christ Jesus, you'll go through suffering. Suffering's not the end of the story, but if Jesus suffered, do you think we'll be any less? And what God gives us in each and every moment and situation and disappointment and difficulty is he gives us every spiritual and physical need that we have. He supplies it. He, he gives us the roof over our head that keeps us dry from rain. He gives us the pillow we rest our head on. He gives us the food in the refrigerator. You ever take in the groceries and just say, thank you, God, for this food? There's so many who are hungry. He's the source of all good things. He gives us his perfect peace when we go through the fire. He gives us patience to deal with that situation or that person who just drives us up the wall. He gives us all the things that we need to obey him. 1 Timothy 6.17, the Bible says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. See, there's nothing wrong with being rich. 
by the world standards, you and I are quite wealthy. But there is something wrong when we put our trust in money. And the Bible says not to trust in money because it's so unreliable. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But instead, our trust should be in God. That's why on our money it says, in God we trust. And he gives us richly all that we need for our enjoyment. The sun shining on your face, the laugh of a little child, the moments you have with your family, they're all a gift from God. He gives us his supply. In the late 1800s, there was a man named George Mueller. He was a man that lived by faith. He operated several orphanages, and his, his diary is a little short book, but it is a classic that's still in print today because it records all the times he trusted God to take care of orphans in England in the 1800s. And there's a story that always sticks with me. It's in the late 1800s, and George Mueller at this time is taking care of over 1,000 orphans with his helpers there, but he was the head of that orphanage, 1,000 of them. And one morning they woke up with 1,000 hungry kids. There was nothing to eat. So what Mueller did is he, he gathered all the children around and all the adults, and they bowed their heads and gave thanks for food that was not there. This is a true story. He, he, he bowed and they gave God for and thanked him for the supply, the provision of food. Even there was nothing on the table, nothing in the cupboard. Well, a few moments later, a baker knocked at the door. He said, I, I just felt like I needed from God to leave me. I, I felt like I needed to bake a bunch of bread last night and give it to this orphanage. Well, praise God. Here's bread. We didn't have any bread. Before the bread was even given to the children, there was another knock on the door. It was a milkman. You see, his milk cart had broken down. Back in the day, they brought milk to your house. But we've gone full circle because Walmart delivery will do that too. Amen? <laughs> but this milk cart had broken down right by the orphanage. And he said, I don't want it to spoil. I'm going to give it to the orphanage. Those children, a thousand of them, had bread and milk that morning. They gave God thanks in advance. He supplied out of his riches and glory. God gives us all we need to accomplish all he calls us to do. Well, I want to leave you with just one thought and we're done. We have all these gifts from God. Our souls, if you have breath, you have a soul. He's given us his son. He loved the world so much, he gave his son. His son gave us his own blood. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He's given us his son. He's given us his Holy Spirit so that you can have the presence of God in your life when you know Jesus. He's given us his supply, every good thing that we need. But so many of us leave the gifts unopened under the tree. So many of us just leave that tree up all year long and, and we might know the gift is there, but it's one thing knowing the gift's there and opening it up. You see, for the gift to do any good in your life, you have to receive the gift. Here's a few things about the gifts that God gives us. Number one, they're undeserved. There is nothing that you and I can do to make us worthy to receive these gifts. If it would be that way, it wouldn't be a gift. You can't clean up your act enough or you say, I'll get better in my own life before I come to church. That, that will never happen. You see, you and I are, are, are sinners and we can't help but sin. And until we're born again, we can't have victory. And so we, we can't clean it up. We can't deserve the gift. We can't earn the gift. We can't pay God enough. 
with enough money or enough good works. And I want you to know that not only is it an undeserved and unearned gift, it is an unlimited gift. It's a gift for everybody. It doesn't matter your station in life, what the world puts on you as a label, the color of your skin, what kind of job you have, the addiction and struggles you have, or the dysfunction in your family. None of that matters. God loved you so much he gave his son. And when you open up that gift by faith, your life is changed forever. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share with a friend. We hope you'll tune back in next time to the Light for Living podcast.